All right, episode two queued up. It's Friday, September 23rd, 2022. So excited to be with you guys as this is episode number two, and we have a lot to talk about today, a lot going on in the sports world, including a uh, story that just popped up with the Celtics over the week. So um, without further ado, let's just get right into it. Thank you all for listening in advance. And we'll start with the Yankees here, and the Yankees picking up a key win last night, 5-4 over the Red Sox. It was a walk-off win for them, and the big reason why that is a big win is because they now have clinched a spot in the playoffs, and it took them a little longer than we thought, especially with how good of a season that they had leading up until just about the All-Star break, and then the wheels started coming off for the Yankees, but it looks like... They have put those wheels back on as they have strung together some wins over the past couple weeks. Looked like the Rays were going to catch them. I think that division in the AL was down to about one, or not one, it was about four games. And there were a lot of Yankee fans that were panicking, but the Yankees righted the ship. They have now won eight of their last ten games, including four in a row, and they have clinched a spot in the playoffs for the sixth consecutive year right now. As it stands, they are number two in the postseason picture behind the Houston Astros. So that means if the ALCS goes according to plan, the Yankees versus the Astros, it'll be game seven in Houston. And that is something that Yankee fans either really, really don't want or really, really do want. One, they don't want that because... Seems like the Yankees never win a big game over in Houston. And then the reason why they do want that is to get revenge. So we'll see what happens as it stands right now. If the playoffs were to start today, they would be playing the winner of the wild card matchup between the Mariners and the Guardians. I think if you're the Yankees, you want to play the Guardians, even though the Guardians are the three seed and the Mariners are the six seed. But I think the Mariners are a better team than the Guardians. They have a better offense um, and just a better all-around team. Um, either way, the Yankees are going to have their hands full with those two teams because they have been hot down the stretch here. So the Yankees won against the Red Sox, and of course all eyes were on Aaron Judge as he tries to chase history of 62 home runs. And he came close last night, ninth inning against Matt Barnes, I believe it was, 2-2 count, and he hit it high into center field, and all of the announcers, all of the uh, fans and the announcers thought that it was out of here. I thought it was out of here, but um, it instead died at the warning track. So we'll have to wait another day to see if he can get 61 and then 62, which would be the record. For Aaron Judge, he just continues to be just on a historic pace all he needs is one more to tie Roger Maris and then another to go ahead, and that would be the AL home run record. I think Aaron Judge is definitely going to do it. It's just a matter of when. Kind of saw last night how the Red Sox, they were kind of pitching around him, even though he had, what was it, two or three walks in the game. He did strike out once. Um but, I mean, that's kind of what we thought. I think the Red Sox don't want any part of this history. They don't want to be in the record book as giving Aaron Judge his 61st and 62nd home run. So I think what we're going to see is more of what we saw last night over the weekend. I think it's going to be 
just a lot of pitches out of strike zone, maybe one or two. And Aaron Judge, it's going to be up to him. He's just got to capitalize on that and make sure that he gets the pitches to hit. He did have some pitches to hit. He actually struck out once. So it's not like the Red Sox were completely pitching around him. But it's going to be tough because there's going to be teams now, and we talked about it in the podcast um, on Monday. There are going to be some teams that will probably just try to pitch around him and not give him anything to hit. Now, for the Red Sox, they're really not playing for anything, so there's no reason why they shouldn't give him a pitch to hit. Um, but I think it's just being the Red Sox. They don't want to be a part of that history and go down as helping Aaron Judge get to that 61st and 62nd home run. So we'll see what happens over the weekend. They have three more games with the Red Sox, and then they go on to the Blue Jays, Orioles, and then they finish up with the Rangers. So we'll see how that goes for the Yankees as they are now the number two seed, and they have the number two seed by a pretty wide margin. I think it's six or seven games right now at least. So barring an epic collapse by the Yankees and a good run by the Rays or the Blue Jays, it looks like the Yankees will be that number two seed, which is very good. Now, another team that's chasing that number two seed is the New York Mets. And right now, as it stands, they do have the two seed right behind the L.A. Dodgers. They took two out of three against the Brewers this week, something that they needed to do. The Brewers are a good team. They're just outside the playoff picture right now. And it's really encouraging to see the Mets get some wins and string some wins together against those good teams uh, especially in the NL teams that they will potentially have to be going up against. But more importantly, last night, the Yank- the Mets did not play. Uh, the Braves did, and the Braves lost to the Phillies one nothing. So they got shut out against the Phillies. Ranger Suarez pitched a really good game, and then the Phillies was actually pretty good. So give credit to the Phillies, able to get that win right now. The Phillies are actually in the playoffs. So how about that? Three teams from the NL East going to potentially be making the playoffs with the Phillies being that sixth seed and the Brewers, who the Mets beat two out of three this past week, uh, got knocked out of that third spot in the wild card. So that'll be an interesting race to watch, but more importantly for the Mets, they are a game and a half up on the Braves, who lost last night. The Mets did not play. They will be taking on the Oakland A's tonight and over the weekend. It's kind of a weird series. They have to go all the way out to the West Coast just to play three games against Oakland and then come all the way back to play the Miami Marlins on Tuesday. Yes, they do have an off day in between that, but it's just weird how the Mets didn't play the A's when they went out to the West Coast earlier this year. But it's just a weird scheduling error, snafu, I guess you can call it. And it definitely does not benefit the Mets. Even though they have two off days, they have to spend the bulk of those off days traveling because Oakland to Miami is just so long. you're, You're going from one end of the United States, one far end of the United States, because Oakland, Oakland's like Northern California, and then you're going to uh, Central Florida in Miami, and that's a long that's a long way. So we'll see how the Mets can adjust to that. They should be fine. The A's are not great. The Marlins are not great. And then they play the Braves, which is a huge series. All they need to do is win one game, and then the Mets will have the tiebreaker, and then you can go into the final series against the Nationals, up by one, and all you really need to do is win two out of three. Even if the Braves sweep their last series, the Mets should be fine. So if they win one game against the Braves, you can pretty much write it off as being 
up by two games if they're up by one in the standings or up by three games if they're up by two in the standings because the Braves, they can't afford to just tie the Mets in the NL East. They have to leapfrog them and be ahead of them in the standings. There's no 163rd game of the year anymore. The MLB got rid of that as part of the new collective bargaining that the players and the owners negotiated. So no more of that. It is just going to come down to a tiebreaker of a head-to-head matchup between the two teams. So that will wrap it up for the MLB segment of the show. I talked about some news that happened this past week, some surprising news about the Boston Celtics and Ime Udoka just came out actually last night that he officially has been suspended for a full year, and the Celtics may possibly be looking at terminating his entire contract and just getting rid of him altogether for a violation of the team's protocol for having a consensual, intimate relationship with a staff member on the team. I'm looking at Twitter, and there are a lot of people who are kind of up in arms about why this happened or just why he got such a harsh suspension. And I think it's pretty easy to say that it's a harsh suspension, especially because we've never seen this type of suspension before for a acting head coach with a um, intimate relationship with a staff member on the team. This is unprecedented um, how long this suspension lasts. And I think there's two reasons why the Celtics ended up going with a one-year suspension. The first is that there might be something that we don't know. I think that is definitely possible. We really don't know a lot other than the fact that it's just an intimate relationship. We don't know when it started. We don't know any other details other than that he had this relationship with this staff member. But the details have been very vague up to this point. Udoka did release a statement and that was vague as well. He didn't comment really on anything except for the fact that he was sorry to the fans, players, and organization. So there might be other things that come out, but if not, then I think it is because reason number two, and that is we really don't have anything to compare this to because this occurred in the workplace, and um, you know it's between the head coach of an NBA basketball team. We We have not seen this at all. It all comes down to, I think, a power structure between being the head coach of the Boston Celtics and then, of course, just a staff member in the organization doing whatever. I mean, we don't even know what she was doing or what her role was within the organization. All we know is that she was just a staff member, and the organization has guidelines in place that are clear, and they prevent any type of relationship of any kind between a staff and a coach, and even though this relationship was consensual, I think we have seen in the past that these types of relationships between someone who's high up in an organization and someone who is, um, just for a lack of better terms, uh, low on the totem pole in the organization, we have seen that go south and be an abusive relationship. So I think there's a reason why the Celtics have those guidelines in place, and that can be a very slippery slope, which is why I think the Celtics have no tolerance for anything of the sort like that so they want to get out ahead they want to make sure that there is a clear line in the sand to not cross and Udoka crossed that and unfortunately for him and the Celtics organization this situation escalated to this point 
And the Celtics are going to be without their NBA final head coach, which is going to be tough for them. They have named a new interim head coach, and I think he's like 34 years old. So we'll see how that goes. Certainly just a story that you want to talk about, a story that just pops up out of nowhere. This was definitely one of them, and it caught us all by surprise. I actually thought it was a joke just because of how vague everything was and how little detail. And we still don't have, like I said before, we still don't have a lot of details. But we do have for a fact that he is going to be suspended for the year. We'll see how the Celtics can bounce back from that. Last night was Thursday night football. Browns versus the uh, Steelers. And the Browns picking up a 29-17 win. We all saw how good Nick Chubb was. Jacoby Brissett, for all you Patriots fans out there, he looked pretty good. Uh, Of course, he started his career with the Patriots and then went to the Colts. And then he then signed with the Browns. Solid Thursday night football game. I think it started off like there were three or four consecutive punts. I think we we're gonna find out whose punter can uh, punt the most in the game. But uh, we saw some touchdowns in the end, and that was it. Was a, ended up being a pretty good game. Twenty nine seventeen really isn't indicative of how close this game was because the Browns scored on a last second touchdown where the Steelers were just lateraling, lateraling it back and forth. So. Uh, and I thought at first that it was going to be a touchdown that gets the over across, but the over was already hit by that point. It was 23-17, so I think the over-under was like 38.5, so it was already at 40, and the over already hit. So good win for the Browns as they are now 2-1. and one. They bounced back off of that terrible loss against the Jets, and they certainly needed that. The Steelers now 1-2, and two, even though Trubisky looked pretty good. I think his time is slowly coming to an end. We're going to see Kenny Pickett very, very soon. Of course, he was the only quarterback taken in the first two rounds of the NFL draft. And I think it's only a matter of time before Steelers fans see the hometown kid in Kenny Pickett. But for now, Steelers staying with Mitch Trubisky. And as long as they do, their offense is just going to be limited. We saw last night how limited it was. And uh, you heard Kirk Herbstreet say every single time the Steelers went downfield, I think Trubisky threw the ball downfield maybe once or twice. And every time he did, Kerbstreit was like, yeah, you can hear the Steelers fans in the background saying how, ex- or um, just cheering because Trubisky actually threw the ball downfield. And you can't win like that if you're in the NFL, especially if you're down by more than a touchdown. There's just literally no way. Down by more than one touchdown seems like you're down by five touchdowns if you have an offense like that. So, good win for the Browns on Thursday night. Next weekend, or excuse me, next week, Thursday night football is the Dolphins and the Bengals. So, that should be a really good one. Thursday night football is off to a good start, I would say, on Amazon. If you can find the football game, they've been some pretty good games. Now, we're going to get to week three. We're going to preview a little bit of what's to come for the NFL this weekend. And, you know, what's an NFL football show without giving you my can't miss, but most likely will picks of the week. We have the Bills going up against the Dolphins. Bills favored by five. I'm going to take that five against the Dolphins. I just think the Bills have been the best team that we have seen this year. And I'm expecting to see Tua struggle a little bit against this Bills defense. The Bills defense is very good. They've got a couple really good safeties. They don't even have Trey White back yet, but the defense is great. The offense is great. The over-under, I think, is 50. 
think that's because the Dolphins in their showing last week, but they didn't go up against a defense like the Bills. I think minus five is the way to go. And moving on to the Titans, plus two versus the Raiders. I am taking the plus two. They're getting two points. The Titans are not as bad as they've looked this year. They should be one and one. They should have beat the Giants week one. I think this would be a back and forth game. Comes down to a last second kick. And by the way, you can also say the same thing about the Raiders. They should be one and one at least because of that fumble by Hunter Renfro late in overtime when the Raiders were driving. All they needed was about five or six more yards. And they would have been in field goal range for their kicker, Daniel Carlson, who's normally money from outside. And Renfro fumbles for the second time on the drive. And we all know what happened as the Cardinals picked it up and ran it all the way back for the walk-off touchdown in overtime. So... With all that considered, I do think the Titans will win this game. I think it'll be another close game, but Titans, bottom line, they're not as bad as they've looked this year. I think they'll bounce back and get their first win. These are This game actually features two 0-2 teams. So at the end of this game, Titans will either be 0-3 or the Raiders will be 0-3. I think the Titans went out right, though, even though they're getting two points. So the first two games that I've picked, Bills minus five, Titans plus two, and the last one, is the Jets versus the Bengals. Jets six-point underdogs going on the road in Cincinnati. Probably should not do this. I think the Jets are a pretty good team. Their offense is good. Their defense still is a work in progress. Going up against Joe Burrow, trying to avenge his loss last year and trying to get the Bills on the board. They certainly could be 2-0. and You talk about a team that should be. Uh, the Bengals are 0-2, but... They very well could be 2-0. I'm going to take the Jets in this one, plus 6. I'm at least going to be taking the points. I don't know if the Jets will win, but I think they'll be competitive, and it'll come down to a final drive or the fourth quarter. I think the Jets will be hanging around. Even though I probably shouldn't do this, I'm setting myself up for failure and disappointment, but I'm a Jets fan. What can I say? I'm optimistic after a win. don't get a lot of them, so I think... I don't know if they're going to beat the Bengals and send the Bengals to 0-3 just because the Cincinnati Bengals are just so good. Um, I do think it'll be a close one. So to wrap up week three for my NFL picks, and I'm going to be doing this every week. I didn't do it last week or the week before, obviously, because this podcast is pretty new and we didn't have the picks around. But I will be starting to do this every single week on Friday. So I'm going to take the Bills, minus 5, Titans, plus 2, and the Jets, plus 6. We'll recap it all on Monday, and that'll do it for me as we are just out of time. It is Friday, September 23rd, 2022. I'll be back again on Monday to recap everything that went on in the NFL Week 3. Also, we'll check in on what happened with the Yankees and Mets in their pursuit to position themselves for the playoffs and then any other big stories that pop up over the weekend. It's all right here on Cued Up. Everyone, enjoy the weekend and have a great rest of your day.